Wholesaling Studios, powered by RumbleOn.com. Now, it's time to go deep for the exclusive info you need on the hockey team you love. This is Preds Insiders with your host, Ryan Porth. Brought to you by Cool Springs Laser Dentistry, Wyatt Johnson Ford, Gary Zire, Remax Elite, and Geno's East. On your flagship home of the Predators Radio Network, Smashville's best sports talk, ESPN 1025 The Game. Welcome into another edition of Preds Insiders, ESPN 1025 The Game. Ryan Porth joined in studio this evening by Chase McCabe of Darren Donick and Chase. Chase, how are we doing this evening? Doing great. Thanks for having me in here. Thanks always as, enjoy uh, coming to hang out and talk some hockey with you. Yeah, thanks as always for uh, for stopping by. And Saturday night, the Nashville Predators go on the road and defeat the Tampa Bay Lightning 3-2 in overtime. Not only in overtime, but in comeback fashion again. The Preds have been, they've been falling behind in games this season but they have been coming back. And this is something that we discussed a couple weeks ago the last time you were on, how the fact that early in the season that they've been having wins in which they were coming back and winning and not having these games kind right. of get away from them, how it was going to be a positive moving forward. Well, here's yet another win this season in which the Preds come back. They score late in the third period to tie it up 2-2 on the power play. And then in overtime, Ryan Ellis gets the winner. Yeah, I tweeted this out uh, right after the game, or I, I guess as they were going to uh, to overtime I, in my Twitter at Chase on Game. The fact that the Preds are able to go into Tampa, be down 2-1, to one, and then get out with at least a point without Duchesne and Forsberg shows you just how good they really are. And, I, you know, I, I've heard the question asked of, was this their best win of the season, the most impressive win of the season? How would you and, answer that? I, I'd probably say yes. I mean, they, they're two best players offensively right now. Duchesne and Forsberg were, were not in the lineup, and they've had to, cha- had to chase the game at times. And in the past, as you were saying, we've seen this team be behind in a game, and once they get to a certain point, they just they couldn't come back. And they would chase it and chase it and chase it, and it just wouldn't be enough. Now, I'm finding myself at the point where when they do get behind in a game, I'm like, eh, you know, they're not out of it. They're not out of it until the final whistle. Now, it's not always going to work out that way. That's how the game happens. That's how it works. But they have been able to bounce back and play a full 60 minutes. And I I think that that shows you just how good this team really is from top to bottom. The depth that David Poyle has added to the team and and you're seeing offense come from everywhere. And oh, by the way, the back end is looking pretty good offensively and I think defensively is getting better too. So we, we joked about this. We always joke after they play Detroit or they like play jokes. how the or after they play Arizona. Why can't they beat those teams? Mm-hmm. Why can't they beat Detroit? Why can't they beat Arizona? They are better than those teams, and then they always struggle against them. But the other side of that coin is that they dominate Tampa Bay. Yeah, they completely have the Lightning's number under head coach Peter Laviolette. They are now nine and two against the Tampa Bay Lightning over the last five plus seasons. I mean, nine out of eleven. Pekka's never lost to them in regulation, right? It's crazy. It's just it's yeah. unreal. And UC Soros in net Saturday night. I thought UC Soros by far his best game mm-hmm. of the regular season to date. It was good to see him get in the win column uh, in that victory against the Bolts. And let me say this about UC Soros: 
I, I think to start the season, you know, maybe he hasn't been his best, but there have been times where he has played better than the help he got in front of him, and I think he got the help. And to that end, uh, defenseman Ryan Ellis commented after the game about giving UC Saros that help. We've uh, we've kind of struggled in front of Juice and kind of left him out to dry at times, so uh, it was about time we uh, we put a full uh, 60 minutes in front of him. And tonight he made some great saves, and uh, we got rewarded and won the game. That was Ryan Ellis after yeah. the game on Fox Sports Tennessee. Yeah, and they have. I think that they were – they. I don't know if they got together and discussed it or whatever, but how many times over the years did we say, well, whenever Pecorino was in net, you saw a little bit different team in front of him and then whoever the backup was, whether it was Carter Hutton or or UC Soros or Merrick Mazanitz or whatever, mm-hmm. it just it was different. There, You could definitely tell there was a change and it wasn't necessarily just the goaltender. What, wasn't it two years ago, the President's Trophy winning season? in which UC Soros, for the first half of the year, yeah. was getting very little help in front of him. And they kept talking about that and giving UC Soros better help in front of him. And then they finally did around mid-December that yep. season. But the the first couple months, it was like night and day compared to how they were playing in front of Pekka versus, versus Soros. Yeah, and I don't know why that happens. I don't know what really causes that. But it just it's not just the Predators. It happens with other teams, too, that you have the the true number one and then for some reason, whenever the backup's in, it's just it's a very different type of game. And um, I was glad to see the Predators, you know, they, they struck first, so that was good. They got behind, and then they were able to battle back and continue this trend of just being lights out in the third period. I mean, this team in the third, oh my goodness. And, you know, that's even if, if they have a rough second or a rough start, they still turn something on in the third period. And if they can keep that trend up, that's really going to help them down the way. It will even out as the season goes along. Probably. But the fact that they've scored, what is it now? Like 50% of their goals mm-hmm. in the third period? I mean, that's that's crazy. And the fact that they just keep coming back, I'll keep going back to that. The fact that you're down a goal late in the third period, you're on the power play, Yossi gets it. But they were down 2-1, like you said, without Forsberg, without Duchesne, on the road against a tough Tampa Bay team, you find a way to win that game. I I think that's the most impressive win of the of the young season. Yeah, I'm with you. And also, you hear the phrase of, well, you can't win the Stanley Cup in October. You can't, but the points that you accumulate in October will really help you when you get into the dog days of February. Like last year. Like for last this year. I mean, it, and look, that's an 82-game season. They're not going to be absolutely perfect for 82 games so you want to build that cushion early on that if you do get into a stretch where you got some key injuries or you're just not playing well you have that cushion that you can rely on and still be in a good spot in the standings and I'm, I'm glad that they've done that thus far this team's really good right now and it's fun to watch and you know the fact that you know we'll mention this that the the city of Nashville swept Tampa Bay this weekend I mean that's that's pretty cool too so mm-hmm. you really have to like the way the Preds are playing well the other point on Saturday night's game was the power play the power oh, play yes. continues to excel they went two for five and really the Ryan Ellis goal was at the tail end or, or not the tail end just a few seconds after yeah Tampa's penalty expired so it kind of was on the power play even though it didn't count as a power play goal this power play right now is just 
I won't say off the charts because they're not tops in the league after being worst in the league last year, mm-hmm. but this power play is completely different from what it was last season. I was listening to the guys in Morning Drive earlier today, and they actually had Darren on from our show, and the question was brought was asked about, I mean, what is it? Is it just Dan Lambert? Is it the system? Is it confidence? And I think it's all the above. You just have a different voice, and I think – the the example was used about you know if you're a parent and you're telling your child to do something and they don't listen to you and mm-hmm. then an outsider a coach or whatever tells them to do the exact same thing and then they listen it's just sometimes you need a different voice and I think there definitely have been some changes with the system Duchesne has helped a lot but they didn't have Duchesne they didn't have Forsberg they kind of had a makeshift unit out there with the, with the injuries that they have and they still scored two goals and you're seeing the forwards step up. You're seeing Roman Yossi score a couple of power play goals. Ryan Ellis, as you mentioned, it, it didn't count as a power play, but it was close. I mean, the, you're having everybody contribute on these power play units, and and that's what they needed to see, and that's also given them their confidence. So the fact that you can have Callie Oncroke come in there, score a power play goal to get it going for the Predators, that says a lot. And so I give credit to Lambert, the players, Peter Laviolette, everybody involved because they have they've gotten those cobwebs out of their head and now now it seems to be working Mm -hmm. they're clicking at just above 22 percent good for 14th in the league although last year 22 percent was top 10 in the league so if they can sustain this success on the power play they will be better than 14th in the league by the end of the season so this power play right now is absolutely lethal and it should be this is what the power the pred power play should absolutely be with the talent that they have even without Forsberg and Duchesne Saturday night Saturday night they still score a pair of power play goals but with those two in the lineup and that amount of talent on the power play this is what the power play should be and that's why we were all beating our heads against the wall last year when they were dead last in the NHL because we knew it should be better yeah well but there were times last year too they struggled five on five and now they're having a ton of success you know, at even strength. So that translates. I mean, if you're going to have success even at, you know, at even strength, then okay, that offense should be just as good on the power play. And now you're seeing it. So I think a lot, as I was saying, it's a confidence thing, it's systems, it's all of the above. And the addition of somebody like Duchesne has been able to allow players to be in their natural positions. Having Victor Arvidsson in the slot is huge. And, And not having him have to go stand in front of the net. I mean, that I think putting him in the, in that position has helped a lot. You'll hear the the guys also say just a left-handed shot like Matt Duchesne yep. and the mind of Matt Duchesne on that power play has made a bit pretty big difference as well. Here was Ryan Johansson with Hal Gill Saturday night just after the game uh, after the 3-2 win over Tampa Bay. Here was their exchange on the power play success. The power play, obviously for the team it's huge, but personally, how, how good does it feel to go out there and get it done uh, and, and win a game on the power play? Yeah, especially that second one and that, and that kind of a moment. Five, five minutes to go in the game, and, and we, have, we get another chance there on, on the power play for um, a huge moment, a huge, huge opportunity for the five guys that were out there, and you know we're just happy we can get that done for the guys. That was Ryan Johansson commenting on Saturday night's power play success I don't think he gets enough credit either with what Ryan Johansson has has done this year and I know at times maybe he gets overshadowed by the addition of Matt Duchesne but you know Johansson's line has really come into its own 
and then what he does on the power play. Because, again, you're able to use him in a different spot. Even though he's a center, you're able to move him around because you have Matt Duchesne on the ice. And, you know, Johansson, 10 points so far on the season. And I think he's he's really done a good job for this team. Coming up next, I'm going to ask Chase a question that Ooh. I'm pleasantly surprised that I am asking this question. Okay. That's coming up next. He's Chase McCabe. I'm Ryan Porth. You're listening to Preds Insiders, ESPN 102.5 The Game, streaming on the Game National app. Welcome back in Preds Insiders, ESPN 102.5 The Game, streaming on the Game National app. Ryan Porth alongside Chase McCabe of Darren, Donick and Chase. Weekdays, 10 to 2, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Preds Insiders brought to you every Monday and Wednesday by Cool Springs Laser Dentistry. For all your dental needs, visit kellyerice.com. Nashville's number one Ford dealer, Wyatt Johnson Ford. Carrie Zire, Remax Elite. And Geno's East on the corner of 3rd Avenue and Korean Veterans Boulevard, downtown Nashville. Chase, I teased before the break that I was going to ask you a question that I'm pleasantly surprised that I'm actually asking this question. Okay. Okay. Has Ryan Alice been the the Predators' best player through 11 games? That is a very good question. Uh, And I know why you're pleasantly surprised that you're asking that because so much was made last season that he signed this big contract that kicked in this year. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked to Elliot Friedman from Sportsnet, and I brought this up to him uh, last week. He joins us every Thursday at one on Darren Donick and Chase. But I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna say yes that he is that right now he's the MVP or whatever because he's just played so well. Two goals, eleven assists, tied for the team lead in points with thirteen. However, and he it, got the game winner Saturday night against yes, Tampa because I, and David Poyle told us last week when he was on the show that. You know, he he said it that he felt like Ryan Ellis had played last year, played all eighty-two games, but that there was some sort of injury, there was something he was playing through, that you just didn't see the full Ryan Ellis that we're used to seeing. You didn't see that usual that the the same guy that now you're seeing this year. Points wise, it was a career season for Ryan Ellis. Yeah, it didn't feel like it. No, just, just with the eye test and everything. No, and, and I. I I used to go at people that were the haters of Ryan Ellis of like, ah, they shouldn't have paid him the contract. He's not playing up to it. I'd point at the stats and the fact that he's played every game. But I would also say, I think there's something up with him. I, I just don't think, I don't know if he has the mobility. I don't know if it was still the knee. I don't know. But there was definitely something off. And that point is further proven with this year and how he started. I mean, he's playing like the Ryan Ellis that we knew a couple of years ago before he had that injury. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, I'm going to say yes, that he's been the best player. Where I will counter, contradict myself, the guy that plays next to him, hmm. he's he's right there too. I think Roman Yossi has been the Predators' best player through 11 games. Okay, so you're going to take Yossi and I'll take Ellis. Yes. But I think we agree that they both deserve some credit. Yeah, and they both should be in this conversation. I don't know if I would even rank Ryan Ellis second on that list in terms of best Preds players through 11 games. I think Pecorine is up there. He's high up on that list. Sure. I think when healthy, Matt Duchesne and Philip Forsberg have been absolutely dynamite. So I think you're looking at that collection of players in this conversation of who has been the best Preds player through 11 games. But I think the fact that we are even having this conversation and Ryan Ellis is a part of the conversation is huge. Mm-hmm. Like you said, 13 points. Roman Yossi also has 13 points through 11 games. They're not 
going to stay at this pace. They would both eclipse 80 points if they did stay at this pace, which would be phenomenal. That'd be so awesome. For the Nashville <laughs> Predators. But the fact that we're even having this conversation about Ryan Ellis, I think is really good, especially after the loss of P.K. Subban. They needed either Ryan Ellis or Matias Elkholm or both to step in a to step up in a big way, and they have. Yeah, I think both of them have. Because, I mean, I, I would definitely say both of them have. Ryan Ellis maybe a little bit more. But I having this conversation and the fact that you just mentioned three or four players that you're really impressed with right now just takes me back to what I said about the game against Tampa. That's just how good this team is. And if they can stay healthy. And look, injuries are going to happen. They got two big ones right now. We'll see if Duchesne and Forsberg get back in there tomorrow night in Chicago. But if this team can stay relatively healthy – they're going to be really good, and they're going to make a, another deep run that could be a special run. I mean, who knows? It's a long way to go. But, yeah, I'm with you that Ryan Ellis is is playing this way. I think it shuts some people up about the contract and, you know, that noise that comes with it, which I don't think he really cares about. He puts that out. He's always been really good at putting that out. But then Roman Yossi as well, being tied for the team lead in goals with five, tied mm-hmm. for the team lead in points with 13, those two play together, they're defense partners. It also seems like, and you haven't brought this up yet, I feel like they're more in sync than they were last year. I I, I can agree with that. I, I think that, that that is more of the tag team that everybody thought it would be because you'll remember when those two first came up, it was, it was kind of like, you know, Ellis and Yossi, they're always going to be tied together. You know, I think they, they played together a little bit early on too, and now uh, they're playing together again. I uh, Go ahead. A, a little bit, but I think they they really hit their stride in the middle of the Western Conference Championship season when it became PK Subban and Matias Ekholm on yep. one pair, and then Yossi and Ellis on another. But really, ever since the playoffs against Colorado and Winnipeg back in 2018, ever since that point when that postseason started, that pairing has had nights where they look lost. Yeah, and it may be may be because of some health concerns with Ryan Ellis. Sure. That may be everything to it. Because this season so far, that pairing, I know they've had a couple blips on the radar in these 11 games. They haven't been perfect. But overall, what they're adding on both ends of the ice has been pretty spectacular. Well, I also think that we didn't we didn't say this either that with everything they put into the power play with everything they put into offense and then PK Subban being gone they didn't it's not like they forgot how to play defense it, it wasn't that they didn't put an emphasis on it but you also have to understand that for for 3 years they had a Norris trophy winning uh, defenseman in PK Subban that's now gone you have to give it time to gel you have to give Dante Fabro time to grow you have to give Matthias Ekholm time to Go to that next level. Ryan Ellis, the same thing. And and Roman Yossi, right now, the way things stand, is going to be in contention for the Norris Trophy. He just is. People are going to be having that conversation. So you had to give all that time, and now I feel like it's coming together. Is it perfect? No. Do they still have you know ways to go to fix some things that Peter Laviolette has brought up in, in his press conferences? Sure. But you're just seeing them continue to work at this, and – you have to give credit to the top two guys in Yossi and Ellis. Earlier in this segment, in this segment, you mentioned how this team so far through eleven games, it's early, but you feel like there might be something special about this team, and this team is going to be capable of going on a run 
when the time comes in the spring. Mm-hmm. I was having this conversation with someone yesterday of, you know, obviously the first month has been really good for the Preds. So was last October. Last October, they were dynamite coming out of the gates, and then the injury bug started to happen, and it really snowballed, and they became a, a roller coaster throughout the regular season. But what I will say, and we pegged this pretty early with this team. Yeah. I believe it was when you were on a couple weeks ago, how you were saying that there's something special about this team. Yep. And it kind of goes back to what we've been saying about how they actually won that game Saturday night in Tampa Bay in comeback fashion with no Forsberg and no Duchesne. It kind of feels like this team's swagger is back. They didn't have a swagger last year. It almost felt like there was a lot of internal pressure and them putting pressure on themselves to be great every night and try to win a Stanley Cup every night when that's not the reality. And they it just feel it. Watching this team, it feels like they're just going out, playing hockey, and having fun and doing a good job doing so. So let's break this down in in pieces here. What did they do after that Game 7 loss to Winnipeg? What did the team do collectively? They they went to David Poyle and Peter Laviolette and said, give us one more shot at it, keep us together. That right there, they put pressure on themselves. Mm -hmm. Because when you go to your boss and you say, hey, listen, keep us together, don't break us up, you're basically telling your boss of, we're going to win it. That's that's just we're going to do it all. We're going to we're we're going to do what you want us to do. And it didn't happen. And there that last year was such an up and down year and then the playoffs, you just they weren't playing well going into it. And even though they won the central division, it just something didn't feel right. And you never know that can always change in a playoff series and we know what happened it didn't. Now, they're kind of back to how they were when they went to the Stanley Cup final of Nashville's still pretty good, but eh, you know we, we'll we'll put them over here of of maybe let's wait and see. And I think this team likes that. Second part of this, I went back and was listening to some old audio that that I had done for Preds profiles, and I found one of my favorite quotes from Peter Laviolette from before last year, and that was, you know, we went through the year where we went to the Stanley Cup final, we lost in the Stanley Cup final, won the President's Trophy lost in game seven to the Winnipeg Jets. We have scars on our bodies mm-hmm. and they, they've, they've learned from all their experiences, but they still have those scars on their bodies. Well, they got more scars last year with how things ended. I think now this team is mature enough and has grown enough that they know how to use that as motivation and they, therefore they have some of that swagger back. Here's a quote from Pecorine through Brooks Bratton. Brooks Bratton put this out there last week and it's something that has stuck with me and it kind of alludes to what we're talking about here in terms of maybe a different feel to this season Brooks Bratton tweeted this out um says three days ago so I believe this was last Thursday saying of Pecorine saying quote it feels like it's just a breath of fresh air at least for me personally there's been so much talk the past couple years always looking back to that Stanley Cup final year and the year after that it's always been it's always been almost like the whole first half of the season you always look back at what you did last year I feel like this year we haven't really looked back and it's been a very good atmosphere and just a fresh start I feel like for everybody for the whole team it's a nice feeling end quote Pecorine and I think that's for that is not only for the team that's for the fan base too I mean I've seen it I've 
felt a difference with the fan base because it's natural. When you do something you've never done before, which to that point, when they went to the Stanley Cup final, the Nashville Predators had never gotten out of the second round. Well, they did that. They go to the Western Conference final. You've already over, you know, done something you haven't done, so you feel good. Then they go to the Stanley Cup final, and everybody went into that next season going, let's just go back there. That felt so good. Let's just do that again. Let, like it would just happen at the like, drop of a boom, hat. Boom, we're done. Yeah. We don't have to worry about the regular season. We're going back to the Stanley Cup final. We'll beat Pittsburgh and take the cup down Broadway. Well, it doesn't work that way. And I think last year, I'll go on record and say this. I think last year, the way the season ended was the best thing that ever happened to this franchise. Because that's a that's a bad feeling. To this franchise? Well, to, ever? This, to this team. To, to the 2019-20 yeah. Preds. Franchise was the wrong word. Uh, to this team. Uh, I You see where I'm going? I see where you're going, that the best thing for the 2019-20 Preds was to have happen what happened yes. of getting beat in the first round. Not the best thing in franchise no, history. No, no. The best thing in franchise history right now is going to the Stanley Cup final. Correct. To this current team, because that, to use one of Jared's favorite words, that sucked mm-hmm. to, to go out that way. And that's going to be extra motivation. And they haven't looked back. I think that's a very good point that they just they left it in last year. They do, they don't worry about that anymore. They got the scars they, that reminds them when they need to be reminded. But I think losing in the fashion in which they did sometimes you gotta you gotta learn how to lose. You gotta mm-hmm. you gotta learn what that tastes like before you can go win it all. Coming up next, we'll update you on Philip Forsberg and Matt Duchesne and what happened at practice today. Plus, is Callie Yarkroke a permanent solution on the Johansson line? We'll get to that next. He's Chase McCabe of Darren Donick and Chase. I'm Ryan Porth. You are listening to Preds Insiders ESPN 1025 The Game streaming on the Game National app. Welcome back into the show. Rolling right along here on a Monday evening. It is Preds Insiders. Ryan Porth, Chase McCabe here with you. An update from practice earlier today. Obviously, Philip Forsberg and Matt Duchesne missing Saturday night's game in Tampa Bay. Matt Duchesne had a lower body injury. He left Thursday's game against Minnesota with said lower body injury, but he did practice earlier today. So that is a positive. And Philip Forsberg practiced as well. He had a non-contact jersey on. So I don't really know what that means for tomorrow night. Step in the right direction. It has to be. For both. Yeah. I don't know if either will play. We'll see. Uh, I would assume since they practiced today that it would be an optional morning skate tomorrow before they take on the Chicago Blackhawks uh, at Bridgestone Arena. Pre-game at 6, puck drop at 7 right here at ESPN 102.5, the game. But step in the right direction, like you said, and getting those two back in the lineup I think will obviously be a really good thing for this this offense and get that line clicking again. Now, the line that has been clicking – without Forsberg and Duchesne, has been the Johansson line, flanked by Callie Yarncroke and Victor Arvidsson. Chase, do you feel like Callie Yarncroke is the permanent solution alongside Ryan Johansson and Victor Arvidsson? If you'd asked me this a week ago, I probably, even though he's played well since he got put with him, I, I probably would have said no, that's not really his role. But the fact that it continues and yeah, he's putting up you know, some really good numbers and seems to be gelling well with those guys, I, I'll go with yes. Now, Peter Laviolette has never been shy of changing things around, and I still wouldn't be surprised that, you know, if at some point you see Jofa reunited or he tries something different, you know, with that spot because it's ever-evolving. That's just how this game works. And But right now, I really like 
how he's fitting with them. And that shows you the versatility that Jan Croak has as a player, that he can not only position-wise, wing, center, whatever, but he's been able to play up and down the lineup in his career. He's another player that I felt like something was off last season, that he just he had had the career year the year before, and then he got hurt in the playoffs, and he just never really came back from that. And I thought last year he just we didn't talk about him much just because he, he just wasn't the same. This year you're seeing that versatility. You're seeing him have the production, and, and he's scoring some goals, some key goals as well, that I feel like Callie Yonkroak is back to where he was a couple of years ago for this team. So I like the fit. Sometimes it's just all about chemistry, and it seems like Ryan Johansson, Victor Arvidsson, they can read each other. And, you know, Victor Arvidsson and Callie Yonkroak have always – been close and so I think that helps too so right now you got to stick with it yeah Callie Yarncroke a goal and an assist Saturday night against the Tampa Bay Lightning he and now he now has eight points in eight games alongside Johansson and Arvidsson which is pretty impressive yeah especially the year especially for a player like Callie Yarncroke that like you alluded to last regular season was pretty poor for him after scoring a hat trick against LA in November, he basically went AWOL and yeah. we didn't hear much from him at all. And it was actually on this program where Jeremy K. Gover and I sat there two or three weeks ago. It was after the third game of the season. We were like, you might need to go ahead and bench Yarn Croak just yeah. to try to spark him. Right. You know, like not to say that he's not worthy of being in the lineup, but you got to get something out of him. And it was the next night that Peter Laviolette put him on the top line mm-hmm. alongside Ryan Johansson and Victor Arvidsson, and then all of a sudden he hasn't left. So, Well, in some t- there are different strategies, and you have to coach different players in different ways. And I, I know in the past that's happened. He's been benched, and then he comes back and he responds to that. But I feel like for Yonkroak, the strategy ended up working of, you know what, let's put him with the Johansson line, which is one of the best lines you know, on the team. So let's, let's put him up there. See what he does. If he owns it, then keep him there. And great. It worked. Peter Laviolette looks like a genius. If it doesn't, then you try something else because you know, they, they tried to move Craig Smith to his off wing. That wasn't really working, but it also goes back to the same argument that I'll use for somebody like an Ellie Tolvin. And when people ask, okay, well, why is, you know, he had a pretty good camp. Why is he not with the team? Do you think he's going to get better playing fourth line? Do you think that's going to help him? That's not what he is. And Callie Arncrook's a little bit of a different situation because he is versatile, like I was talking about. But if you want him to score, if that's what you need him to do, if you're trying to up his production, then you got to put him with with that type of line that it's designed to do that. And that's what they did. If you need him to play fourth line and be the checking line or whatever, then he can do that too. But when you need him to to have some production, putting him with Johansson and Arvidsson, that's the way to get it. And he's He's done it. He's done a tremendous job with it. I don't think Yarncroke is the permanent solution. No. Next to Johansson and Arvidsson. I, in terms of the rest of the season, keep them together. I think I think the name I just mentioned could be that at some point in time. Well, he's got to like pick it up in Milwaukee. I agree. He does. The name you're alluding to is Ellie Tolvin. Sure. He, he's got to get better in Milwaukee, and so does Rem Pitlick. Those two yep. need to start producing down there. I don't know... I don't know who would be the the permanent solution uh, alongside Johansson and and Arvidsson. Um, You know, Adam Finken last week on this show was basically saying that Kyle Turris needs to play more. That Kyle Turris, when Forsberg and Duchesne get healthy again, well, at that point, Duchesne wasn't 
hurt. But when Forsberg is back and when you have your full gamut of forwards, you should keep Kyle Terrace in the top six because he's playing well enough to stay in the top six. I would not be surprised if there are a couple games that Yarncroke, Johansson, and Arvidsson, if they struggle for two or three games in a row, that Peter Laviolette says, you know what? Let's give Kyle Terrace a shot. They gave him a shot in, in preseason, and I put him on the wing. Put him on the wing alongside Johansson and Arvidsson, and I kind of thought that was the direction they were going to go in to start the season. Peter Laviolette did not do that. I wouldn't be surprised to see him I, go back to that if Turris keeps playing the way he is. See, I'm going to push back on that just because, you know, I asked Peter Laviolette in a, in a media scrum. I was like, hey, you know, you've tried this during the pre – or I was like, you've tried him on the wing because that morning he had skated a little bit on the wing – during morning skate and he looked me right in the eye and he said well we tried that in the preseason but he's a center that's that's kind of how we feel right now that he is a center I think what's more likely to happen is they put Jofa back together and I know they don't want to play Matt Duchesne on the wing necessarily and he doesn't want to play on the wing necessarily but if it's working and you have Taurus in the middle with Grandlin and Duchesne then you put Forsberg back with Johansson and, and Arvidsson and see what that does I mean you know what you have in the Jofa line and then see if it works. But this is this is the good and the bad. The good is that you have different combinations that are starting to work. The bad is what's what's everything is is everything going to work at the same time? That's what you have to find. That's the combination that you have to make work. I never thought of Phil, putting Philip Forsberg back with Johansson and Arvidsson. Really, it's an interesting thought. Yeah, I mean, I and I've had that conversation with a couple of the others with Adam and a couple of the of of the other media guys, but you know it works, so you can you know you can always go back to it. It's making the other line work too. And that's what they were trying to find earlier in the season when they had Craig Smith on his off wing. That wasn't necessarily working. So you're seeing more production out of Forsberg and Duchesne and Granlin. That line was really clicking. And then, you know, it started to to click with Johansson and Arvidsson once you put Yarncrook there, but can you sustain that? I wonder if they also tried Mikhail Granlund. Could do that too. Next to Johansson and Arvidsson. And then maybe you put Craig Smith next to Forsberg and Duchesne and try to get him going. Yeah. Because that is a player that you would like to see get going as well. He didn't score his first goal of the season until last Thursday night against the Minnesota Wild. One goal through 11 games. He's not pacing the way he usually does throughout a regular season. So no. that if he can get hot, maybe he does so alongside Forsberg and Duchesne. And that's the thing with Craig. He's always been this type of player where he's streaky. And and I mean I don't mean that in a bad way. That's just how he is. He's just sometimes you'll you won't see him do as much. He won't score. And then once he hits he he scores a goal, then they come in bunches. And some players are just like that. And I still feel like that's going to happen for him. They have asked him to do a lot. They've moved him around. So it's just finding the right spot for him of where he can get into that rhythm. And who knows? Maybe maybe that's coming. He didn't I know he didn't score against Tampa, but you know, maybe he's starting to find the right spot for him and he's going to be able to put it together. Coming up next, there is a big piece of news inside the Central Division earlier today. We will update you on that coming up next. He's Chase McCabe. I'm Ryan Porth. You are listening to Preds Insiders, ESPN 1025 The Game, streaming on the Game National app. They pull the face off back. And now the Lightning are back at full strength. Joseph had been serving. And the shot of the score by Ryan Ellis. Ellis wins it in overtime at 3.15, just after the power play had run its course. 
That's how it sounded Saturday night as the Predators topped the Tampa Bay Lightning 3-2 in overtime. Pete Weber on the call for the Fifth Third Bank Nashville Predators Radio Network. You're listening to Preds Insiders. Ryan Porth alongside Chase McCabe here with you. And Chase, that win Saturday night pushed the Preds to 7-3-1 on the season. Good enough for 15 points. And they are second in the Central Division behind the Colorado Avalanche. 8-2-1, an impressive start for the Avalanche. We'll get to them in a minute. But 15 points also has the Preds tied with the St. Louis Blues. And the Blues were dealt with a huge dose of bad news earlier today. Vladimir Tarasenko, their star sniper, yep. the best forward on that team, or it may maybe the most prolific forward on that team. I, I don't know if I would say best. It's pretty good. At at times he is. There are other times where someone like a Ryan O'Reilly yeah. is the best. But o- overall, he's their best forward. He's their best goal scorer. He's out at least for the next five months. Not five weeks, five months as he underwent uh, shoulder surgery, yeah, and he will be reevaluated at that point, which means this could be something that knocks him out for yeah. this season. It's a, you know, a lot of times you'll have an injury report like, hey, they're going to be out for two months, and then you know that's how long it's going to take. When it ends with the, he will be reevaluated after five months, that means, oh, it could be a little bit longer. Five months from now is March 28th. Yeah, that's the end of the season. It's the end of the regular season. I guarantee you in St. Louis, their big topic going into the playoffs, if they are contending for the playoffs at that point, which I would assume they will, they're still a pretty good team, is will Tarasenko even be ready for the the start of the postseason? Right. That is the significance of this injury, that he's basically knocked out for the duration of this regular season. And that changes a lot of different things for for the St. Louis Blues and you know the trade deadline. Because I know the trade deadline's a long way off, but you have to now think that way of, okay, depending on where they are in the standings at the time, do the Blues then, you know, say, all right, we, we're going to have to we're gonna have to upgrade it forward because Tarasenko is out, and we don't know how much longer he's going to be out. I mean, it could be they get him back in five months. It could be they get him back it's in six months, you know, in the middle of a playoff run, or they just – he's done. Mm-hmm. He's done for the year. They won't know at this point and won't know for a while, but – you know, for for uh, the St. Louis Blues, that changes a lot of different things because you also don't know, you know, will more injuries happen or what have you. That's the tough part of being a a GM in this league, but that's what they're going to have to look at. So the St. Louis Blues residing in third place in the Central Division, and I got to say, you know, I don't really look at the order of division standings until probably American Thanksgiving. So about a month from now, once there's a a pretty good sample size and teams aren't, you know, Chicago's played 10 games, Dallas has played 13. Like, I think you can take more away from Dallas's 13 than Chicago's 10. But, you know, you have to to let, you have to let that process kind of play out with some of these teams. Like in the Eastern Conference, the Rangers that, you know, they haven't even played 10 games yet they're still at nine nor the devils right the devils are still at nine as well we went into the regular season thinking the central division was going to be the toughest in the league so far it might be the worst division in the league if i'm calling a spade a spade there's only two teams with a positive goal differential this early in the season again it's early but tarasenko goes down for the Blues, out for most of the season like we just talked about. Winnipeg, 
clearly is not the same as they have been the last two or three years. Dallas has been a major disappointment early in this season. They may be the biggest disappointment so far in the NHL, sitting at nine points through 13 games. Then you have Chicago and Minnesota bringing up the rear at, at eight points each. This Central Division, at least to start, has not been as good as we thought it would be. No, and you know I will preface it by saying it's still early, so you, you never know. Um, you mentioned the two teams with positive goal differentials, obviously Colorado at plus fourteen, Nashville at plus eleven. Um, you know, with the Preds putting up the goals numbers that they have, I mean that's not surprising. But I still think St. Louis is a good team, even without Tarasenko. They they will figure it out because you were you know when you were setting this up, we're talking about some of the other forwards that they have and. They're all good at very different things. Winnipeg is the one that I just I don't know. Elliot Friedman told us last week that you know Big Buff Dustin Bufflin. It still could be a, a month or so before he comes back if he comes back. I mean that's that is a big thing that's going on with him right now. Dallas, they have enough talent that they can turn it around. It's just can they put it all together? I think Dallas is the one that I put in the it's early category. Well, I mean, the last time the Dallas Stars were the offseason darlings, they completely pooped the bed that yeah. next regular season and did not live up to expectations so far. That is what what is happening down there with the Stars. And then Chicago, a lot of it is, you know, goaltending and figuring that stuff out. We'll see Chicago firsthand tomorrow night here in Nashville and see what, you know, exactly what they are. But I... I I think it's still going to probably end up being one of the best divisions before the season is over, but you're right. I'm a little surprised at the the rough start by a majority of the teams in the division outside of Colorado, Nashville, and I'll even put St. Louis in that category. Then you look at Colorado at the top of the division. We haven't spent let's a whole... Let's look at them. Yeah. Uh, let's look at the Avalanche. 8-2-1 and one through 11 games, and this was a team that I was certainly buying for the regular season. I'm not there yet for the postseason because I don't know if Philip Grubauer is good enough for a postseason, for a long postseason run. But what I will say is they lost Mikko Rantanen and that train is still moving right along. When they went into Vegas Friday and smoked the Golden Knights, they chased Marc-Andre Fleury in that game. Now, Vegas... They've had their ups and downs this regular season, but Vegas, I still contend, is the best team in the Pacific Division, and Colorado absolutely obliterated them. I think they are too, but they're playing Flurry a lot, and I'm wondering if they're going to use him up. Mm, that's true. I, I think that so, that's that's a, a very good point. I mean, they they just they he is playing a ton, and I think at at his age, you got to stagger his minutes, and they're not doing doing that right now. If that doesn't get to them in the regular season, it oh, could yeah. very well minimize what they could do in the in the postseason but Colorado Mika Rantanen is out with the with the lower body injury but that team is so freaking good man like Kale McCarr mm-hmm. is the complete real deal he might be the early front runner for the Calder Trophy he is that good and the fact that Colorado now has a defense that stars that, that starts with Kale McCarr yep. and Sam Gerrard and they have some good pieces depth-wise. They obviously have a s- superstar forward in Nathan McKinnon. That team is is loaded for bear. And I, I really cannot wait for the Preds and the Avalanche to get together. I know that's November coming up 7th. next Thursday. So we are going to have to wait 
just a little bit longer for that. But the Preds-Avalanche games this season, with as much offensive firepower as both of those teams display, it's going to be a lot of fun this year. I think when you, even early on in the season, there are certain games that you have as as part of the litmus test to just how good a team is. For the Predators, Vegas, a few weeks ago, I think that that's one of those. Tampa, yep. last Saturday night. Two nights ago. I would put Colorado definitely in that category of those teams of, all right, how do they match up? And, you know, there are others throughout. Washington is another one that I think that you have to throw in that category. But the next one for the Predators will be Colorado. Now, they got to take care of some business, you know, with Chicago, Calgary coming to town this week, and then uh, and then going on, you know, then, then uh, the Rangers as well, and then at Detroit, how are they going to play against the Red Wings um, before they get to Colorado? But I'm excited about that matchup. I think those are by far the top two teams in the division. There's no question about that. Is it all sustainable for Colorado? Uh, are they going to be able to to keep this together? Because when we saw them a couple of years ago in the playoffs, I think all of us had that, okay, there's something here. They have something to build upon. They're not there yet, but I think it's going to get better and better, and that's what's happened. Can they sustain it through the regular season? So Wednesday night, Smashville Live will be out at Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House in East Nashville. Chase, you did a great job hosting it last week. Thank you. I had fun with that. It will be Braden Gall and Hal Gill alongside Ryan Johansson and Colton Sissons Wednesday night at Boom Boys. BC Boys. Yes, from, uh, from Vancouver. They, there was a nice video feature on them on um, yeah. NashvillePredators.com. So go check that out before you go check out Smashville Live. They're actually at- roommates right now. Cool. So go check out uh, Boom Boss Craft Pizza and Tap House. Wednesday night, 7 to 8 p.m., Colton Sissons, Ryan Johansson. If you want to meet the guys, if you want to get a picture, get an autograph, then you have to be one of the first 50 people there at Boom Boss Wednesday night. So get there and be early and enjoy a lot of great food and some great hockey discussion. Adam Vingen of The Athletic will be my co-host Wednesday night at Preds at uh, Boom Boss for Preds Insiders. So that should be a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. And Chase McCabe, you have been my co-host I have. this evening on Preds Insiders. Can confirm. And I certainly appreciate it as always. Hey, anytime. Uh, thanks for asking. It'll be good to uh, do it again sometime soon. For Chase McCabe, I'm Ryan Porth. This has been Preds Insiders on ESPN 1025. The game streaming on the Game National app.